sometimes uh, we can do that sometimes in our lives. We can, because we don't see the results right away, like we give up, you know? Uh, and that's what happens with those people is that they don't see the results. They don't see the results like at the end of January or in February or in March, and they just give up because uh, they don't see anything happening. And I feel like at the start of this new year, like I just want to encourage you guys, is I know that there's been a lot of things that we've been like just kind of pressing in for, you know, and I know that there's things and promises that God has made us, not just like on a personal level, but like corporately as a church, that God has made promises for us as individuals and as a church. And we've been pressing in for these things. And it could be like desires and dreams. Uh, but I just want to encourage you that don't give up on those things, you know. Don't give up on those desires. Don't think that, like, what God spoke to you last year isn't going to come to fruition because you don't see results right now, you know. Uh, just keep going, you know. Keep honoring God. Keep being faithful. Keep doing what you're doing. Be consistent. And that's the thing is, like, sometimes we have to be disciplined so we have consistency, you know. We have consistency, and, and stop, like, putting yourself on trial and stop putting God on trial. You know, it's like we have to figure it out. Like, we have to come to that consensus of, like, I'm, I'm done putting God on trial. Like, you know, where it's like no matter what happens in my life, no matter what I go through, no matter what my family's going through, no matter what promises haven't come, God is never on trial right? God is always God. He's always faithful. He's always good. And that never changes, you know? And I think that's the attitude that we need to have as a community. It's like no matter like what we're going through, no matter what season we're going through, like we're always there. God is always there. God never changes. God is always here. He's always here, you know? And the other thing is like stop putting yourself on trial. Like, we got to stop putting ourselves on trial. You know, it's just like we, when we start doubting, when we start thinking, like, if I could only do this, or if I could only be like this, or if I could only stop doing this, or no, just stop that. You know, we just got to stop that and just know, like, hey, the old man is dead. There's a new man alive. And me and Jesus, we're going to get through this together, you know. Um, so that's good. Just want to encourage you there. Um, so I needed to get that out, right? Recently, you know, I heard, um, like, uh, <laughs> like a couple, three weeks ago or something, I, like, I try to read at night, you know? Like, I'll, I'll pick up a book, or I'll pick up the Bible, and I'll, I'll, I'll get, like, 20 minutes of good reading, and then I'll do, like, I'll start doing this thing, you know? And, um, it's funny, because, like, sometimes God... Like, he picks these, like, weird times to talk to you, you know? He, like, like when you're halfway asleep and you hear, like, you hear his voice, you know? And it's kind of like, whoa, God, you know? And um, it was one of those, and I was reading a book, and I was falling asleep, and I was halfway asleep, and I heard the Lord say, and I, I think I was actually, like, falling asleep. I was in reading, and I heard the Lord say, you don't believe me. And... <laughs> but I was ha like I was halfway asleep, and I heard him say, "You don't believe me." And then 
And then I kind of just like rolled over and I was like, 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 what is that you, God, you know? And, and then like right away, like, I, like, you know, you know, when God is talking to you and like, right then, like I said, like, I don't believe you. Like, and then I started repenting. I was like, I don't believe you, God, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sorry, God, that I don't believe you. Like, you know, like, oh, man, like, no, God, I'm so sorry. No, Lord, you know? And then, like, I stopped and I thought about it, and I was like, well, you didn't say that I didn't, like, believe in you. I, you just said that I don't believe you. All right, so that means something. Okay, so I thought, like, what are you trying to tell me? Like, what are you trying to point out that I'm not believing you for? You know, it, it was almost like God was trying to encourage me by saying, like, you don't believe me. But he was daring me to believe him. You know, he was saying, like, you don't, these things that, like, that I've been giving you or these, the, this calling or, or these, you know, these words, you don't believe me. Or, or the things that you desire, your dreams, like, these, like, you know, like, some, sometimes you think, like, these, these visions or these, like, dreams I have about, like, owning my own business, or, like, uh, buying a house, or, getting, you know, just having children, and everything being okay, like, all those things, you know, sometimes we think about those things, like, in the next life, like, 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 it's not going to happen anytime soon, because I still have to figure it out, you know, like, I'm not there, like, I'm not making enough money, um, you know, whatever it is, the excuses that we put for these things, you know, um, and it's always somebody else. Somebody else can buy a house. Somebody else can do this. Somebody else can do that. But like, we never believe for ourselves. And I, and I feel like we're going, like we should go into this year. And I felt like this word was for me, but I had to share it to, with you because you're my community. You're my family. And, and I feel like God is daring us to believe him in an extraordinary way where we, we believe beyond reason, where we believe beyond comfort, where we believe beyond, like, you know, what makes sense, you know, and just know that he is God. Like, not, not, not just believe, like, not just want to believe, but know that he is God. Just know. Like, there's no question. I just know that you're God, you know, and that, that all these things are possible. And so I just want to encourage you there, you know. And... Uh, so I want to pray in, in this. I want to pray into this uh, to start, you know. I just needed to get that out. Um, so let's pray into this. And let's pray that this year be different than the last years. And that this year, all your dreams and all those wishes, all those promises that God has made you, they all come to fruition this year. It's going to happen this year. God is promoting life this year. God is always good. God is always happy. He's so happy with us. You know, he's so pleased with us. You know, we, you know it, it's, it's so good because we've honored him with the little. And God is ready to give us the big. You know, so let's just pray, pray into this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for this, for this night, God. I just thank you for my family. I thank you for this community, your community, God. This is your family. This is your body, Lord. And I know that you are encouraging us, Lord. I know that you are preparing a way, God. I know that you have given us so much, so much that we haven't even gone into, Lord. 
And I know that this year, Father, you have dared us to believe you for it, God, to just know that you are God and know that you have made a place for us, God, and that you are not a liar, God, that you are never, Father, on trial, that we're not on trial anymore, God, that you have already justified us, God, and given us so much so I just declare this word, Father God, of blessings. I declare this word of community, of family, of promises, God, in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right, so I want to talk about community a little bit today, but in a, in a different way. Um, first, I want to talk about what the church or the community is built on. I know that Mario has talked about community and like how there's a community for everything. Uh, and, and basically anybody can make up a community. Um, but I think that God is building a community, you know, of he wants to rebuild countries. He wants to be, rebuild countries and nations through his community. You know, uh, some time ago, I had a dream about, I had a dream of the American flag. I had a dream where I saw the American flag, and it said, on the American flag, it was written, I will rebuild this country stone by stone. And I remember I woke up from that dream, and I was scared, because to me, for some reason, I was conscious of the negative, and so I thought, like, rebuild, that means that you're going to destroy, you know? And, and I remember that I text Kevin, and I text Mario, and I was like, man, let's pray, because I, I think something bad's going to happen, and, like, I just pray that God, like, protects the church, protects us and his family. But, but it just, it's very telling, like, how negative we can be sometimes. Like, how sometimes we, we need God we need to let God renew our minds. Instead of thinking about the negative, instead of thinking about, like, what was and that God is ready to destroy things. No, God is ready to rebuild things. God has a, a heart of redeeming. You know, God, every time he does something, he does it with a redeeming heart. He wants to redeem people. He wants to redeem situations, lives, countries. And so when I had this dream, I, I text Kevin and, and, and Mario, and I was like, man, let's pray and, and this and that. But then as I, like, kind of meditated in it, you know, and I, I became more aware of God's grace, um, I thought, no, God, you use rebuild. So you actually, you're building up this country. You know, you want to build up this country. You know, so much has been said about our country, how it's going to the dump, and, like, there's so much wrong. But God hasn't given up on America, just like he's never given up, given up on the church. You know, he always wants to redeem, and he wants to redeem our country. And, um, and then I thought it was interesting how he said, I will, I will, you know, rebuild this country stone by stone, you know. And I thought, like, you know, and at first I thought, man, that's stone by stone. That's, that's interesting, you know, because, like, that reminded me of Peter, you know, when he called him, like, a rock, you know. And... And I thought, man, I think that God wants to rebuild this country through the church. That he's going to do it through the church. And he's going to do it through you and I. And that's his plan, that he's going to redeem this country through us, through his community. Um, so 
that's what God wants to do, you know? And I think that God is always in a redeeming, he always has that heart, you know? And um, when I thought about this and I thought about Peter and how, like, he called Peter the rock, and I thought about that, how all that went down, he, um, you know, it was, Jesus was asking them, like, what do, who do they say that I am? And the disciples said, you know, some people think that you're Elijah. Some people think that you're this other guy or that you're a prophet. And then he asked them, like, who do you think I am? And it was almost like he was saying, like, like who am I to you? You know, and then Peter said, like, you know, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. And, and then Jesus responds and he says, like, no man, like, has revealed this to you. Only God, my father, like, God, my father has revealed this to you. And then he said, on this rock, I will build my church. You know, and I think that's where we can see, like, what binds us together. Where God is building his church is on the belief and on knowing that he is the savior of our lives and of the world and that he is God. And that's where that's the foundation of the church. Is that when you come to the Lord and you come to Jesus, you're believing that he's not just God, but he is your salvation. You know, and I think that's where God starts building that's how God starts building his church. And I want to see I want to take us to see how what God thinks about the church. How how God sees the church. So let's go to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, 32. And you can say amen when you have it. All right. So it says, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jew or to the Greek, or to the church of God. See, when I first read that, I thought, oh, to the Jew or to the Greek or to the church of God. And he put the church of God in a whole separate category. It, it, it was, it's almost like it's a whole new race. He made a new creation. You know, it's like the Jew, the Greek, and then the church of God. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or a Greek, if you're in the church of God. But it's a whole new creation. It's like a whole new category, you know. And this church is the family of Christ. Amen. You know, community, in community, we've seen, we've seen a lot of failures through the years. We've seen, you know, like communism. We've seen, like, the Nazis we see the failures even, like, in our own neighborhoods. We see in our neighborhoods how, you know, just from the look of our neighborhoods to the community that's in there. You know, there's just a disconnection. There's a disconnection between, like, all the people that live in the community. And because we all have different things that we're looking for. We all have different things that we, um, thank you that we 
care about or find important. You know, we all have those different things. There's no, nothing that binds us together. Um, and that's why we, we see that kind of disconnection in our neighborhoods, you know. But we have to understand that we will, in our community, when we start building community, we're going to reap what we sow. Like what you put into your community really matters. Who you are in your community really matters. Because the community is not a church, it's not the walls of a church, but it's every person that lives in the community. That, that all of us here make our community, make this church. And so who you are in the community really matters. You know, in history, we, we can look at people that made a difference in the community. We can, you know, Martin Luther King Day is on Monday, and we can look at Martin Luther King, and this was one guy that had, you know, just like a conviction in his beliefs. He just knew, you know, that there's issues that weren't right, and he believed it so much that he, he went out and he just changed a whole community. And he, he might have started really small. It might have started in a room somewhere, you know, like this church started. But it grew to, like, nationwide. And this man grew, and he's, like, world famous now. And he changed a whole culture. He changed generations, you know, because of the conviction that he had in his heart. You know, Abraham Lincoln, he changed slavery. You know, he, it, our country was riddled with slavery, you know, something that is shameful, you know. But he had a conviction in his heart that that was wrong and that needed to change. And he changed that. You know, I, I, some time ago I was watching like World War II History Channel and I saw how, you know, the Nazis basically took over all of Europe and the only one that was standing against them was like the British Army, the Brits. And they just wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't give up. They wouldn't surrender, you know, because they just knew this is an evil that we cannot afford to take over everything, to take over whole Europe. And, and it's amazing to see that they were, very, like, they were really key for us to go in there and fight all of that evil back. And so who you are in the community is very important. And one person makes a difference. One person makes all the difference, you know? Sometimes I know that in church, or even in our families, we can feel like we don't matter, you know? Uh, I know this is a small church, but I know in bigger churches, or even at work, or even like in your family, or even in your neighborhood, you feel like you're, you go unnoticed. But, but we're sons and daughters of God, and we are a light to the world. And then wherever you are, you are a light, even if you don't know. Like, even if you don't know, I know that you're... Like, I'm sure that your neighbors look at you and they see something different. I'm sure that in your neighborhood or at work, people notice you. They might not say anything, but you are being noticed. Because there is a light that comes from you. You might not see it, but other people see it. You know? Jesus, he made a difference in his community. You know, one man changed the whole world. One man split history in half. And, and has built a church and has given birth to a community that, that is just now covers like 
a third, I think 25% of the world. One man. And Jesus did it small. He started small. He started with 12 disciples, you know, and he built community with his disciples. Then he, not, he didn't just, like, reach out to his disciples, but he also reached out to his critics, you know. He wasn't scared of the critics. He wasn't scared of the Pharisees. He wasn't scared of the people that, like, talked bad about him, that doubted him, that said that he was doing things, you know, through the power of the enemy. Like, he... He didn't, you know, he kind of opened his arms to everyone. And a lot of those critics became good friends and believed in him. Jesus also opened his doors to the unwanted, like Mario was talking last weekend, the unwanted. He opened his doors to the unwanted, to the ones that didn't have anything to live for, to the ones that were sick, the ones that were lost, the ones that nobody else wanted. And he built his community with those people, with us, you know, the unwanted. And I, and I feel like that's the way that we build community. Like, we build community, community here among our disciples, you know, among, among the disciples of Jesus, the people that don't like us, the people that might hate us, the people that might bring us down from Monday through Friday, you know, the people that are hating on us, even if, you know, sometimes family too, you know. And sometimes, you know, we build community, and not sometimes, but we should, is with those unwanted people. The people that other people don't even turn around to, to even acknowledge. The people that are maybe like thrown on the street, you know, and they don't have a drink. They don't have water. They don't have anything. They're just there. Nobody notices them. They're not important enough to get noticed. The people that you might see, like, asking for money, you know, those are the people that Jesus never turned away. And I feel like that's kind of the heart of community is, is the heart of Jesus. Is like, how did, how did Jesus build community? I think that Jesus was able to do all of this because he saw beyond the appearance. You know, he saw beyond what the outside looked like. He saw the value in each one of those people. You know, he saw what was in the heart, not what was outside. You know, the Bible says that he bought the whole land because he knew that there was a hidden treasure in that land. You know, and there's a hidden treasure in each one of us. And each one of us here, and each one of the people out there, we just got to look deep. We just got to look at things through the eyes of Jesus. And look for that good thing that that person has. And when we live here amongst the community and the church, let's not criticize one another. But let's honor the Jesus in each other. And when we are outside of the church... Let's, let's honor people and love people for the potential that they have inside of them. Let's see the potential that they have. Right? Let's not try to look at what they are right now, but let's, let's look 
the way that Jesus would look at, at us and see the potential that you have. Because he, he, see, he knows that it's more than potential. He knows that it will be something real, real soon. You know? So be confident in the work that he's doing in you. You know, align yourself with him. And that's the thing is like every day we have to walk and we have to live in a way that we are aligning ourselves to Jesus. That we're aligning ourselves to the way that he lives, that we live that same way. That, That when we feel like criticizing one another or when we feel like putting each other down, or when we feel like saying, oh, man, this, this person, they're not this yet, they're not that yet, we have to really look at things and think, think of things from, from God's perspective. You know, recently the Lord gave me this, this thing where he told me, you know, stop criticizing people for what they're not. Right? And start honoring how far they've come. You know? And that was really good to me. Because it, it, it saved me from living a life of, of just like criticizing and criticizing and criticizing and criticizing. And not, and not being ever enough. You know? And, and just like teaching me, like, just honor what I've done in them. Because... Sometimes we don't see where that person started, you know? We only see the current state, but we don't see where that person started. And, and it's like God was saying, you know, you weren't there in the beginning. You don't know how far this person has come. I know how much I poured into this person. And so I want you to honor this, you know? And, and even if it's like a new person in Christ, honor the Honor Christ in them, you know? Honor Christ in them. So how we live in our community matters. What does that mean? That means, like, how we speak, how you talk to people, the things that you say to people, how we treat people, how we love people, how we steward what God has given us. You know, we think, you know, well, God hasn't given me much. Right? Like, I, I don't have a ministry. I don't, I don't have this. I don't have that. But I assure you that you have something. God has given you something. Whether it is a mother or a father, whether it's a family, children, a ministry, a talent, a job, God's giving you something to steward. And it's just like, what are you doing with that? Like, what kind of words are you using to talk to your wife? How do you speak to her? You know, when you, when you talk to your parents, how do, you, how do you talk to them? You know, what words do you use? Are you honoring them? Are you saying, what, what you're saying, honoring to them? You know, that's, that's, the li- that's what we have to be aware of, like, in our community. Because we're a kingdom community. So the way that we used to do things, we don't do things like that anymore, you know? Now it's a community of encouragement. It's a community of just pushing each other, you know, forward. And I think 
Because when we do that, we're not just we're not just building community and we're not just encouraging that person, but we're also cultivating for ourselves. Because the Bible says that those that refresh, they themselves will be refreshed. If you are a refresher, you will be refreshed. If you go around blessing people, you will be blessed. If you go around encouraging people, you're going to be encouraged. You know? But if you go around criticizing people, you're, you're going to cultivate criticism. If you go around hating people, you're going to get hatred back. You know? But we're a community of God. And those things, hatred, anger, criticism, don't exist in our community anymore. They're not part of it. You know? So, let's read what kind of position God has given us. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms, in Christ. Other versions say in heavenly places with Christ. In Christ. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. All right, let's read that again. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. When I first read this verse, I noticed how it said, he made us alive with Christ. And, it's, and it says, he made us alive with Christ. Okay, so we, we were dead, now we're alive because he made us alive with Christ. So when Christ rose, we rose with him. And then it says, and God raised us up with Christ. So again, we were dead and then he rose, he rose us up with Christ, right? And now we sit with him in heavenly places in, heavenly places in Christ. So before it was we were raised from the dead with Christ, given life, eternal life with Christ, but now we are in heavenly places in Christ, right? And then it says, so that he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. So when we died to our old selves, when we died to sin, and we came to Christ, we were risen with him. And we were risen with him to a place in him. So we are part of his body. So when the, the Bible says that he has, like I've always wondered about this passage, like we're in heavenly places with, in Christ. 
And I thought of, you know, and I think, and I thought about that, and I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. Like Christ is up there, and we're up there with Him, in Him, right? And all the blessings that Christ has that have already been given to Him, all the blessings, all the power, all the authority has been given to Him, and we have that in Him, and because we are part of it. And I thought about that, and I'm like, you know, the Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ in this land. And, and then I looked at it, and I was like, oh, man, but, but God, we represent God on earth, and he represents us in heaven. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. He's there. And we're here, but we're connected. We represent him here. He represents us up there. And, you know, I thought about Jacob's ladder came to mind. And I thought, man, that's the stair that went up to heaven. And, and, those, and, and those angels coming up represented, like, dual citizenship. That they were part of heaven and part of earth coming up and down. And that's us. We are in heavenly places with Christ, and he represents us up there, and we represent him down here. And we share in the authority. We share in the blessings. We share in everything that has been given to him. Yep. Amen? Amen? Let's go to 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Okay, so it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. He implores you on Christ's behalf, we implore you on Christ's behalf, to be reconciled to God. God made him who has no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen? See here it says, um, the old has gone. The old has gone. That means all the shame has gone. All the sinful nature has gone. That, that wanting to do the wrong thing has gone. It doesn't mean that, that we're like immune to it, right? It doesn't mean that we don't see it. It doesn't mean that, like, that we don't struggle with it. But it just means that the nature, like the us being okay with doing the wrong thing, is gone. We're still in this world. We're still going to have struggles. And we're still going to have challenges. But God has given, the, given us the power to overcome all these things. And before we were driven by sin, but now we're, we're driven by righteousness. Sometimes, you know, we struggle with the idea of 
the old man being dead. Sometimes we don't know that the old man is dead in the cemetery under six feet. We think that the old man is still alive and well and that he's walking next to us. And we won't realize that God has actually put this old man to death and that he's just no longer part of us. And sometimes we romance with this old man. You know, sometimes we go back to some of the things that we, like, remember that we used to do. Or we go back to thinking some of the ways that we used to think. And sometimes we let that old man, even though he's dead, influence us on how, who we are and how we act. You know, the things that we say, the things that we do, how we, how we react in our community. And I think that we have to realize that we're a whole new creation. That, the, that old man, he's dead. Never to come back. Never to influence you anymore. Never to, to be a tripping stone to you anymore. That you are a whole new creation. And that you're established in righteousness. That, that your beginning is righteousness. But that's your beginning is righteousness. Like, there's so much more for you. That's just your beginning is righteousness. Who is this new creation? God has made you a new creation. He has made us a whole new category, a whole new race. And if you didn't know, you were royalty. We're all royalty. We're nobility. We're a representation of God on this earth. We're ambassadors of Christ. And sometimes I know that sometimes I, in my days, I lose track of that. I lose focus of who I am, you know. And I think, and I, and I, and I tend to go back to my old ways of thinking, of doing, and of just the, the, what I carry or how I, like, perceive things, you know. I, I tend to be negative sometimes or I tend to be critical, but that, that was the old man. And I think that we have to know that we're not that old person anymore and that we're actually nobility, royalty, you know, ministers in his righteousness. And it's a very important thing to know that in our community, we're all royalty. We're all kings. We're all nobility. And, and we're not nobility because of the things that we do, but the things that we do are a cause of who we are. You know, I do noble things because I am a noble. I walk and I am like royalty because I am royalty. And I think that as a church, we, we need to be conscious of that, that, that we're a new creation with new ways of doing things and with a new character. And that's the character of Christ. And it says, we're ambassadors of Christ. You know, the, the, the age-old question of like, who am I and why am I here? Well, who you are is an ambassador of Christ. 
why you're here is so that you can bring the kingdom of God here. That is it. That's your answer. Don't search anymore. You are an ambassador of Christ and you are bringing in the kingdom. And whether you're doing ministry in worship, whether you're up here preaching, whether you're not up here preaching or you don't have ministry, whether you're taking care of kids, or whether you just work and you're coming every, every weekend here, it doesn't matter. Your first and foremost calling is to be ambassador of Christ and to bring the kingdom in. Amen? The fruit that we have, the gifts that we have, the preaching, the, the, the worship, the, uh, the encouragement, the words of, of knowledge, all those things are gifts and it's the way that God has designed you to work in the kingdom. But your calling is to be an ambassador of Christ. It's to represent Christ on this earth. And your purpose is to bring the kingdom in. That's your purpose. And I thought it was really interesting. And I'm going to read you what the, you know, the definition of ambassador is. An ambassador is a highest ranking diplomat who represents a state and is placed in another sovereign state as a resident representative of their own government for a special and often temporary assignment. Does that sound familiar? We're here temporarily and we're here on a special assignment. As formally defined and recognized at the Congress of Vienna, Ambassadors were originally regarded as personal representatives of their own country's chief executive. You're, a, you're the representation of the chief executive of the kingdom of heaven. You represent him here right now. Historically, officials representing their countries abroad were termed ministers. Before the development of modern communication, ambassadors were entrusted with extensive powers. Like before there was communication, before people could communicate across countries, right? See, right now, the issue here in this world is that not everybody is communicating with God. That the communication between us, between the, the world and God is broken. And God is using you to bring that communication back. God is using us to bring that communication back. And to do this, he has given us full power to do this. It says, The host country allows the ambassador control of specific territory called the, an embassy, whose territory, staff, and vehicle are generally afforded diplomatic immunity in the host country. Diplomatic immunity. You have diplomatic immunity. See, you cannot be condemned anymore. You are dead to sin. There's no more condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus, right? And if you perhaps fail one day, you have diplomatic immunity. That means that there's no more condemnation. But you're not going to fail. See, we might make mistakes, but we never fail. Because as long as we're aligning ourselves with the will of God and doing what the king, the chief executive wants to do, we're all good. We're doing the job of an ambassador. It said, the purposes of an ambassador. 
protect citizens. That meant strengthen and encourage the community. Support prosperity. Prosper the gospel. Work for peace. His will be done. His kingdom of peace come. Right? We're the connection. We've been put on this place for a reason. We're not just here and hoping that we make it through this life and say, like, oh, God, I just want to make it to the end, and, you know, hopefully you come soon because I just can't take it anymore. (laughs) You know, we're here, and we're supposed to be bringing the kingdom in. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're not just trying to make it through life. We're trying, you know, we, God wants you to be victorious, that in everything that you do, you bring the kingdom in. I feel like this is something that, like, the church has kind of passed over. Because, see, the thing is, we want to build community, and God loves his community. He loves his church, but he wants the kingdom to come through through his church. So I feel like God's heart is set on transformation. His heart is set on cultural transformation. What's cultural transformation? That's like, let me give you an ex- a practical example. There's a bad neighborhood, right? Bad neighborhood. And there's no pocket, right? It's just a bad neighborhood. A person comes, a good family comes, right? They have children, they come, they move in. This person all of a sudden starts caring for their house, starts cleaning their house, starts mowing their lawn, cleaning their area, you know, doing all these things. Oh, the neighbor sees this. The neighbor starts changing their attitude, their ways, and they start cleaning their house, cleaning, you know, their yard, mowing their lawn. Next thing you know, somebody drives by there. Oh, this neighborhood's not too bad. Let me move in. Oh, okay. Two, three people move in. Now, the other neighbors say, man, these houses are all nice. Let me change my house. I got to get, you know, with the Joneses, right? (laughs) And all of a sudden, there's a cultural transformation in that neighborhood. We went from a bad neighborhood to an up-and-coming neighborhood. That's cultural transformation. I feel like God's heart is set on this. You know, he wants to transform the church. He wants to transform the community. Because the culture of an organization defines who you are and what you stand for. Vibrant cultures are values, vibrant cultures are value-driven, mission-focused, and vision-guided. Vibrant cultures are value-driven. Our values are Jesus' values. What's important to him is important to us. Our mission is to bring that kingdom in. We're mission-focused. As a community, we have to be mission-focused and vision-guided. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is the one that guides us. The Holy Spirit is that one neighbor that moved in into our hearts. The Holy Spirit is what God put into our hearts so that he can start changing and making that cultural transformation in us.
And maybe the whole neighborhood isn't clean yet, right? Maybe there's still some bad neighbors that need to move out. But there's a work brewing in you. God is not finished with what he started, but he will finish it. But we have to know that we are supposed to bring that kingdom in. You know, some, sometimes we confuse things and we say that the church and the kingdom are the same thing. But they're not the same thing. The church is the family of God. The kingdom is wherever God's will is being done. Amen? See, it's like I heard Chris Wallington say uh, not so long ago. He said, you know, don't you know that the whole church is in the kingdom, but not the whole kingdom is in the church? The kingdom is wherever God's will is being done. You know, is God's will being done in your life? Like, we're, we're his community. We're his church. We're his body. But are we aligned with God's will? Are we aligned with what God's doing? Are we aligned with God's heart? With the way that God is? Are we living that kingdom? Are we bringing in the kingdom? Is it flowing through our hearts, flowing through our mouth, flowing through the things that we're saying, the things that we're doing, how we're doing them? God's whole plan is to bring the kingdom in through us. This is not done through through church task or church duties. Jesus told his disciples, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. He didn't say, go do this, go do that, and then the kingdom will come. He said, pray that the kingdom come, that my will be done. And so what, is, what was he saying? What was he pointing us to? He's pointing us to intimacy. That only through intimacy with him could his kingdom come and could his will be done. And so as a church, I want us to come together in this knowledge of we're not just any community. We're not here to build, you know, a, a church we're here to bring the kingdom in. Amen? We're here to bring the kingdom in. The numbers don't matter. What matters is, are you bringing the kingdom in? See, because God prefers quality over quantity. You know, one. One. Remember? Remember what, like, what David's soldiers told him when David said, like, you know, I'm going to go out with you guys and fight. And they said, no, no, don't go. Don't go with us. Just stay here because if the enemy sees you, they're going to go after you and you're worth like 10,000 of us. Each one of you is worth 10,000 of those out there. Each one of you is worth 10,000. Each one of you is a David. And that's how God sees you. So, you know, I, God showed me a church, and he showed me our church, and it was full. There was a ton of people there, and I saw people in the seats that were there, famous people in the gospel that were there listening to us. 
That's the result. That's the result. But we cannot, we cannot go through the process and ignore the process or diminish what the process and the progress means. That's the result. We're going to have a church. It's going to be full. There's, it's going to be so awesome. There's going to be people there that we watch now that are going to be there watching us. You know? But it's like, it's like, you know, the gym. Like, don't focus on the results. Enjoy the progress. Enjoy the progress. Don't focus on the results. Enjoy the progress. It's not about building a kingdom here. It's not about building our own kingdom. But it's about bringing in his kingdom. If we have that focus first, Jesus said, go after the kingdom of heaven and everything else will come. And I feel like as a church, we don't want to be like every other church. There's tons of churches around every corner. But we don't, we're not, and I'm not diminishing them. I'm not diminishing what they're doing. But we're going to bring cultural transformation. We're going to bring cultural transformation to churches all over the world. And so while we might be the, you know, the David with a few sheep now, we can't, let's not focus on that, but let's know that God is doing a greater thing, a greater thing than the building, a greater thing than like having people fill in the stalls, the, the seats. He's doing a greater thing. <laughs> I don't need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) So I want to encourage you, you know, I want to encourage you this night to think the greater thing. The greater thing is the kingdom. You know, we want that greater, like Solomon used to say, you know, I, I want what's beyond the sun. Beyond the sun. And I think like, Let's, let's, let's want what's beyond the sun. Let's move in what our calling is, and that's to be ambassadors of Christ. Our purpose is to bring the kingdom in. And everything else will come. But God wants transformation. He wants the kingdom. And so that in everything that we do, and all the things that we do, not just here, not just in ministry, but in, our, in the outside, in our families, and, and, and you know, in, our, in, our, in, our, in our school, in our jobs, we're bringing in the kingdom. God is building character right now. God is building character right now. Like with David out in the wilderness, he was building character in him. So that when, when David showed up in front of Saul, David was so full of confidence so full of confidence in what, in what God was doing with him and that God was with him, every word that came out of David's mouth was, God is with me. God, just like God saved me from the bear and from the lion, God will save me from this too. Because he had so much confidence. Why? Because he had history with God. He had history with God. There is something for him to fall back on. He knew that he had history with God. And that just 
as God had prepared him in the wilderness, God was going to propel him here in front of everyone. So I just want to encourage you that we want to, you know, we, we are the community of God and that our purpose is to bring in the kingdom. And that should be our foremost, our priority in everything that we do. Let's stand up. I feel that if we, and I feel like we're, all, we're there. We're aligning ourselves to God's heart. And I think that we just have to keep the course. Keep the course. And we have to be consistent. Be consistent, keep the course, and know that we're going to see the harvest. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for this beautiful night, God. Thank you, Lord, that your presence is here, God, that, that your message was delivered, Lord. Thank you, Father God, because you want to bring transformation in your church, God. You want to bring transformation in your church. Because from your church, Lord, that's where the rivers are going to flow out, Lord, to change the world. You want to change the heart of your people, Lord. You want to change the heart of your people.